you know, when you when you get into the space, you know, you realise that, that that potential is real, that it's there, and everyone is, is laser focused on on doing that. So yeah, it kind of moves at this breakneck pace, which again is is very different to traditional finance, where you have you know, a much slower pace, but you have a lot of kind of roadblocks in larger traditional financial institutions. You're listening to Crypto Savvy, the show that demystifies digital assets and uncovers all things cryptocurrency. Brought to you by the Hashkey Group, a leader in financial technology and digital asset management. Crypto Savvy, the essentials. Professional traders in digital assets frequently look to borrow funds so that they can make some of the trades that prove so lucrative. How do you overcome this challenge of putting in more collateral than you need to borrow in order to boost the volume that you're doing in your trading? Well, there is an answer through DeFi with Clearpool. Our guest today on Crypto Savvy is Robert Alcorn. He is the CEO and co-founder of Clearpool, a DeFi platform. Hear more about the way DeFi is helping get rid of collateral for borrowers and enhancing the yield for lenders. Okay, my guest today is Robert Alcorn, CEO and co-founder of Clearpool. Before we dive into Clearpool, Rob, I want to understand what was the problem you saw that needed solving? Hey, Walter. Yes, uh, that's a good question because, you know, that's kind of how it all started, really. So the problem that we, we set out to solve was it's called over-collateralization in DeFi lending and borrowing. And can you describe what that means? Yeah, so that is basically when in DeFi, when when you want to to borrow, you have to provide more collateral than the, the amount that you're borrowing. So you know, if you're if you're a trading desk, you know, and you, you want to borrow, let's say, ten million dollars of a stablecoin, you go to to one of the DeFi uh, lending and borrowing protocols. You would have to provide something like one hundred and fifty percent or two hundred percent of collateral. So let's say ETH or Bitcoin. To then be able to borrow the you know the ten million dollars of liquidity, so that really eats into the traders' capabilities to use their capital efficiently. Exactly, very capital intensive. Yes, so that was the that was the problem that we set out to solve. And Rob, for our listeners who may not be familiar with DeFi, just give us a quick definition. Yeah, so DeFi is decentralized finance, and so essentially what that is 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 just leveraging blockchain and um, crypto cryptography and decentralization to sort of improve you know, the financial architecture. Right. And we start putting lenders and borrowers directly together versus centralized finance, where you always have a settling bank in the middle. That's correct. Yeah. Removing those centralized intermediaries and all of the layers of costs and friction that come with that. Yeah. Okay. So traders, if they had wanted to borrow 10 million stablecoin, they had to put up 15 million in assets. And what does Clearpool do that is different? And tell us how you've solved the problem. So basically, the, the, the way to solve that is, is to introduce. So obviously, what we're doing is we're introducing unsecured lending or uncollateralized lending. And what you have to do to solve the problem really is introduce counterparty risk. So we can still have a peer-to-peer lending situation, but the the lender is taking on the counterparty risk of the borrower. And so the way we we want, this is the only way you can really solve the problem. Obviously, we wanted to do that in a decentralized way. And we wanted to, to make sure that by doing that, we were providing the lenders with opportunity to to manage that risk, to monitor the risk, and to hedge that risk. Because the problem that we were solving was really 
a problem for the borrowers. You know, there's a lot of institutional borrowers in the space come up in, against that, that problem. So that was kind of like solving that problem, but almost introducing another one where the lenders would then you know, be taking on additional risk. Yeah, so I can certainly see why the borrowers are keen on this methodology, but let's let's just talk about it from the perspective of the borrower for a minute and the way they engage with Clearpool. Yes, so the borrowers have to be institutions on Clearpool and they will go through a KYC, Know Your Customer process, onboarding process, and basically to become whitelisted. So that is initially done by the Clearpool team but eventually that process will be decentralized and, and the, the borrowers will be whitelisted by the community or the, the C-pool token holders. But once they've been whitelisted, then the borrower can, can open a pool or launch a pool on the Clearpool app, which will then become visible to the lenders. And anybody can be a lender. So on the lender side, it's completely permissionless. Um, all you have to do is connect with your wallet and you'll see all of the borrower pools and you can select the one that you want to lend to. How do you factor in the risk associated with the loans so that the lenders are protected? When you look at the app, you'll see all those borrower pools. You can click on one. The pool will display a credit score for the borrower amongst a lot of other information about the borrower, who they are, what they do, what they can use the funds for, uh, all of that sort of stuff. It'll also have this credit score. Now, the credit score is computed by one of our partners. It's a company called Xmargin. And what they do is they take a lot of data from the borrower, both on-chain data and off-chain data. So stuff like data that they, from, from centralized exchanges, you know, the, the data from, from DeFi protocols, but also stuff like, uh, you know, traditional financial statements to be able to contextualize all of that stuff. And what they do is they run all of that through, through their systems, through their risk uh, engines, and that allows them to compute a risk score. And because... The on-chain data is, is kind of like a, a higher weighting in that score. What the score is essentially telling the lenders is well, what it's giving them is, is a real-time look under the hood, if you like, of, of what's going on with the borrower. How much risk are they taking at, at that point in time? So this is a very, very important aspect of it. It allows the, the lenders to see um, how much risk and use that information in their decision-making process whether to lend or not, and, and to compare the different borrowers on there as well. And Rob, how good have you been at matching the demand with the supply? I imagine there would be a lot of um, interest from borrowers to take advantage of uncollateralized loans, but how willing are the lenders? Yeah, so there is a, there's a huge demand, as you picked up on earlier. There's, there's a lot of guys out there that obviously would want to borrow unsecured as, as compared to the, uh, you know, the over-collateralized loans on DeFi. So there's, there is a, a huge demand, but, but what's actually surprised us is the, is the amount of supply as well. So as I mentioned earlier, all of the borrowers will be institutions, but we've actually had a lot of a lot of interest from institutional lenders as well. So we have a lot of them lined up ready to 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 deploy liquidity on Clearpool. So we've actually been able to match the supply and demand before we even launch, you know, based on, on what we know from the guys that we've spoken to. But as I mentioned earlier, anybody can be a lender. Um, so it won't just be institutional lenders. Anybody can connect to the app and, and lend to one of the pools and, and get the same rewards, the same high APYs that, uh, that are there that the institutions will be taking advantage of. It's the same for everyone. So it really levels the playing field. So if you compare it to sort of traditional capital markets, 
you know, they're very kind of closed off to, to retail investors and it's very difficult to participate. And that means that all of the value kind of accrues to the larger institutions. You know, when we say that, you know, we've, we've identified a lot of institutional demand on both sides, and that doesn't mean that you or I couldn't connect to the app and, and take advantage of those same opportunities. That's completely possible. Right. And what are the types of yields compared to traditional bank lending for the lenders? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that, you know, that the lenders obviously get compensated for, for taking on that risk. So the yields are quite high. And the way we do that is by rewarding LPs with, with native tokens from the platform, as, as well as the, the interest which is paid by, by the borrower. Now, the, the pools on Clearpool are dynamic in that they don't have a set maturity date and the interest rate is, is based on the utility, which means basically um, how much of the liquidity is the borrower using at any point in time. So if let's say there's, there's $100 million in the pool, and the borrower is currently utilizing 70% of that, then the utilization rate is 70%. And there is an interest rate, which is corresponding to that, that utility. So let's call that 8%. So the pool is paying 8% interest. But on top of that, you can expect to earn somewhere in the region of 15 to 20% in the native token seat pool, which is the incentive you know, for LPs to, to, do, to, to lend. So the total APY, you know, could be in the region of, of 20 to 30% quite easily for lending to, you know, these very high profile institutions. So when you compare it to, to what you might get, if you were, if you were lending to the same type of institutions in, in the real world, you know, you might be getting probably very low or, or mid, even, even if you were getting mid to high single digit returns, it's still you know, much more attractive to be lending on Clearpool. And this obviously makes it more attractive for the borrowers as well, because they know that they'll be able to attract more liquidity because the lenders will be getting compensated higher. So it, they, they, you know, for them, it's, it's obviously better to, to be setting up a pool on Clearpool, which is also cheaper for them and easier uh, than to, to go and try and borrow in, in, the, in the traditional world. Right. And for the borrowers, other than the fact that they're avoiding tying up that collateral, what is the rate? And, you know, is there is is it a much higher rate than they would get through other traditional financial approaches? No. Um, I mean, so the guys that, that will be sort of opening the early pools, because they're kind of more crypto native borrowers, they actually are a little bit overlooked in the, in the traditional world. So they find it hard actually to raise liquidity from traditional lenders such as banks. So they actually, this is why, you know, this is why this problem exists because they have to borrow you know, in the DeFi world. And, and they were in the, in the beginning, you know, the, the only way to do that was, was on the, the over collateralized protocols. So those guys, you know, kind of, don't really have much of an opportunity to borrow in, in sort of the traditional real world anyway. But um, if you were to take, we, we do have some borrowers that are sort of more traditional institutions or certainly kind of hybrid who can borrow in the real world. And, you know, for them, that they're obviously not going to pay any higher you know, to, to come and borrow on Clearpool. But what they can do is because they know that the lenders are going to get additional compensation in the native token, they can actually try to borrow lower 
um, on Clearpool, knowing that the lenders are still going to get more. So it, it actually works for both. Rob, what is the kind of killer feature that makes Clearpool unique? Well, so if we go back to the beginning, you know, we, we talked about we were solving the problem for the borrowers, but we also wanted to, to make sure that, that the platform worked for lenders as well. So the killer feature really is, is the fact that we have single borrower pools. So it sounds quite simple, but what that allows us to do is to introduce this concept of tokenized credit. So we've got the single borrower pool, so there's only one borrower, but multiple lenders. When you lend to that pool, you will receive CP tokens in return. And those CP tokens represent the amount of liquidity that you've supplied. They accrue the interest rate for that pool, but they also represent the the credit profile of the borrower. So that's what we, what we refer to when, when we talk about tokenized credit. Um, so you can think of those CP tokens almost as like a, a digital bond if you, if you want to run the parallels with traditional finance. And that means that those tokens can then be used to manage the risk. So we talked about that earlier. So what we'll do is we'll introduce additional products which will allow the lenders to, to, to manage the risk and to hedge the risk that they're taking on uh, by lending to these institutions and so that'll be things like decentralized derivatives, um, such as interest rate swaps or, or credit default swaps. But also, quite simply, it allows the, the lenders to, to be able to trade that risk. So they can, they can trade those, those CP tokens in the secondary market. And that will also give new entrants the opportunity to get exposure to these, these pools if they're fully funded you know, and they can't get in through the, the, sort of the, the primary route. Then they can go to the secondary market which is, again, exactly what happens in, in traditional finance in the bond market. So all of those things you know, really come on the back of this single borrower pool and, uh, and tokenization of, of credit, which I think is really the, the killer feature and, and is what differentiates Clearpool from what's already out there. And finally, it's what is really attracting a lot of attention from more traditional players, because this is the sort of the level of sophistication that they need to see to be able to, to take those first steps into DeFi. You know, they have the optionality, of course, in the traditional market, it's been there forever, but they have, you know, big risk teams and, and mandates where they're not really allowed to step outside of that. And, and so they need to be able to see that in DeFi to be able to participate. And that's what uh, Clearpool is bringing. I mean, it does sound like a good combination of, you know, blue chip borrowers, above market rate yield, an innovative approach to risk. So let's talk about the Clearpool founding story and your own journey. Uh, when was Clearpool founded and how are you today? Where are you today? How big a company are you? Right. Well, Clearpool was founded sort of earlier on in 2021. So around, I think it was April, May time, I left my previous job to, to found Clearpool. My co-founder is Alessio Quaglini from from Hex. He's the CEO of Hex Trust. In fact, he's been a guest on Crypto Savvy as well. So exactly as I was about to say, yeah. So we go back many years. We used to work together at a bank, and even back then, I think around sort of like 2016, 17, we we both had a sort of a mutual interest in in crypto and blockchain and. And actually, then Alessio left the bank shortly after that to actually start Hex Trust, which was which was great, which has been very very successful, and actually one of our, our partners as well. But yeah, so Alessio and I kept in touch, and you know we'd regularly talk about about the market, and and this is really how it all began. We 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 got talking about this problem. Some of Alessio's clients, uh, you know, had come up against it, 
I'd started reading about it in in the in the press. And yeah, I think you know this was like this was our opportunity because it really sort of like leveraged our background. You know, my, my background especially in, in sort of capital markets, liquidity management, collateral trading. So we we kind of came up with this idea and, and an early version of the white paper. We went out to some of our sort of industry contacts and and got some feedback and and that feedback was was overwhelmingly positive from some very very sort of like very well regarded people. So we we knew you know that we were on the right track. And what we did shortly after that is you know we sort of talked to a, to a few sort of early investors. Again, the interest was incredible. We did a seed round. And we were significantly oversubscribed. We, we kind of opened it and closed it in like 48 hours. So, you know, again, a good sign that we were on the right track. And what's the feedback now from the market? Are you able to scale fast enough or is there the demand there? Uh, what are your plans for expansion? Yeah, so we've, we've got the, uh, the uh, testnet version of the protocol out there at the moment. So that's being tested by, by our community. And we've actually been quite surprised by the amount of people that have been testing it. So I think it's approaching 10,000 unique addresses have been testing the testnet version, which we deployed uh, at the end of December. So that is very encouraging to see that, you know, we have that many people testing before we've even gone live. So that, that shows us that, you know, that, that we have, you know, a lot of people looking at it already. But in terms of like growing, so we, we already have six or seven borrowers lined up to open the Genesis pools. So they'll be there right at the beginning. And we'll be able to scale that up quite quickly to around 20 borrow pools before the end of the year. And as I mentioned, you know, we're seeing a lot of demand on the, on the supply side. So there's a lot of institutional lenders, you know, that are very interested. As I mentioned, you know, we're talking to a lot of traditional lenders as well, looking to get into the space. I think that will come a little bit later, but it's very encouraging. So we're actually very optimistic about being able to scale very quickly. And yeah, so we've been very, very happy with with the, pro- the progress there. Now, Rob, this is being recorded in February of 2022, and we're midway through the crypto winter. How are you finding the uh, valuations impacting your borrowers or your lenders, or is it not really having a, a strong effect? It hasn't had any effect at all. The demand uh, is still there. You know, we haven't noticed any difference as we've sort of come out of the bull market into this this kind of bear period. Nothing has changed on that side. So, you know, it, it's been good for us to, to have experienced this and it's a good time to build from our side. You know, we, we do have a very long term vision for this. So, you know, we don't tend to look at the market so much. But yeah, I, I don't think it, uh, it's changed anything for us. Great. And what can we look forward to from Clearpool in the coming months? So we're, we've got our, our main net launch coming up. So I mentioned the test net, which is, which is, is there right now. Um, we're basically putting the, the, the finishing touches to the mainnet. So there's a few things left to do. And, um, you know, we have audits going on and the code is being audited. Uh, obviously, security is, is, is a, of a primary concern for us. Um, that's all happening right now. And we will be launching in, in Q1. So we'll be announcing the date very soon. So maybe even by the time this, this podcast airs, we may have already announced that. But yeah, so that's coming in Q1, which is very, very exciting. Obviously, that's a huge milestone to be able to launch the protocol on the mainnet. As I mentioned, there's, there's borrowers already lined up. So you can see all of them on, on, our, um, on our Medium blog post. So we, we have everything announced there, who they are. So that, that's, that's really exciting. That, that's coming up. Shortly after that, we'll be introducing a new staking and, and farming mechanism. So at the moment, our token, Seapool, 
can be can be staked on the exchanges uh, where where it trades, uh, which is KuCoin and uh, Gate and Ascendex, for a hundred percent APR. When we launch the protocol, shortly after that, we'll be introducing a new staking mechanism, and this staking mechanism basically will be the gateway to earning those high yields that we talked about for for lenders. So what that means is basically by staking Sepal, you will then be able to sort of access the, the highest level of returns by being a lender on the protocol. So that's kind of where like the utility of, of the token comes in as well. And then in addition to that, um, borrowers will have to be staking an amount of Sepal as well. And the incentive really here is to lock the token up for a longer period of time. So that's all to come. And then, you know, as we, as we get through sort of the late stages of this year, we've got some new products coming. I mentioned earlier, some of the derivative products we're working on, the Matic pools, which will allow lenders to diversify across a number of pools just by lending to, to one single pool. So there's lots to come later this year, but uh, yeah, immediately we're, we're all very, very excited and looking forward to the mainnet launch, which is, which is coming very soon. Fantastic. And if that has happened by the time of the podcast launch, we'll definitely include it in the show notes. Now, Rob, I want to talk to the man one year ago, who is you, and here you are one year later. And what were some of the bigger surprises or aha moments you've had as you've spent the first year in this startup? You know, where we have a lot of entrepreneurs listen to us and a lot of CEOs of startups. So what are some of the surprises and insights you have from your first year? The thing that I think has surprised me the most is how passionate and hardworking the people are in this space. Crypto doesn't sleep and everybody is almost like available 24 hours. We've got a great team and a lot of, you know, our partners are in, you know, on the, on the other side of the world. And, and sometimes, you know, we have to do calls, you know, in the middle of the night and everyone is always available and, and everyone is just so focused on building. And I think that the, you know, the, the reason is because, you know, we, I think once you get into this space, you realize the potential that it has and, you know, it's going to be huge. But, but what surprises me is that people aren't so much motivated by, by money, which is, you know, that's kind of like where I come from in traditional finance. That's very much, you know, what, what it is. But here it's, it's just more the excitement of, of building the future. You know, I think, like I said, everyone who, you know, when you, when you get into the space, you know, you realize that, that that potential is real, you know, it's there and everyone is, is laser focused on, on doing that. So yeah, it kind of moves at this breakneck pace which again is, is very different to, to traditional finance where you have you know, a much slower pace, but you have a lot of kind of roadblocks in larger traditional financial institutions. And, you know, there's, there's kind of none of that here. So it, it kind of flows, you know, much easier and you can get stuff done much faster. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's been, been one of the, the biggest things I, I could think of off the top of my head. Fantastic, Rob. Well, we're wishing you all the success as you continue to build out Clearpool. We'll keep an eye on the performance and look forward to new features and the launch of your mainnet. So congratulations and good luck as you carry on building Clearpool. Thank you very much, Walter. That was Robert Alcorn, CEO and co-founder of Clearpool. And I tell you, when you hear a CEO talk about the excitement of building the future and the drive that gives him and his team, it's really one of the rewards of doing a podcast like Crypto Savvy. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating. And wherever you get your podcasts, hit like, hit subscribe. And thank you for listening to Crypto Savvy by the Hashkey Group. I'm Walter Jennings. Thanks for listening. 
Thank you for listening to Crypto Savvy, the podcast that delivers the essentials, brought to you by Hashkey Group.